Amen. I, I knew you'd like it. I've been waiting for that song to be sung for weeks now. Here's what I can tell you, and I can guarantee you that uh, no casting crown songs were probably sung in any other Free Will Baptist Church this morning. And I know that one wasn't. So, uh, man, thank you, Ron. Thank you, band. What a great song. Give him a big hand again because that was phenomenal. It was awesome, and I've been waiting for it. They're going to have to do it again sometime real soon. Amen? Yeah, glad you're here. I'm in a series on stewardship. I'm calling it the ABCs of stewardship. Last week, we talked about the A, which is your attitude. Today, we're going to talk about the B, which are the blessings that God pours out on each and every one of us. Uh, let me share with you a story as we begin. There was a, a dad who took his uh, kindergarten-age son uh, after school anywhere he wanted to go. He picked his kid up from kindergarten. He said, son, where do you want to go? And the kid said, McDonald's. And so they went to McDonald's, uh, went up to the counter, and he looked down at his boy, and he said, son, what do you want? He said, a happy meal. <laughs> All right. And so the, the, the dad ordered the happy meal. They made the happy meal. The dad paid for the happy meal. They went over to the table. The only thing dad got was something to drink because he didn't want to eat that greasy food at McDonald's. So they sit down at the table, open the Happy Meal, the kid's playing with the, the toy, he's eating his hamburger, he's drinking his Coke, and he's eating his french fries. And they're just having a great time, they're talking like a dad and a son would, and all of a sudden during the midst of the conversation, dad reaches over and picks up one of his son's french fries, or at least tries to. And that little five-year-old boy with his uh, grubby little hands and his short arms put his arms around his fries and he said, No, Dad, you can't have any. These are mine. After Dad got over the initial shock, all right, he started reflecting on what just happened. And, and he came up with three realizations. Number one, he said, You know what? I am the source of those fries. Just a few moments ago, we were at the counter, and I ordered the Happy Meal for my son. I pulled out my wallet, took out the money, and I paid for those French fries. He wouldn't have those French fries had I not bought them for him. I'm the source. Secondly, I'm bigger than he is. And if I really want those fries, all I have to do is reach over and take them because I'm his dad. Number three, he doesn't understand, I really don't need his fries. I can go back up to the counter, lay a $100 bill on the counter and say, bury me in fries. As he reflected on the process of his son's inability to give back to the source of those fries, this is what he said. I came to the conclusion that I really didn't want his fries as much as I wanted his willingness to share those fries with me. How many of you can relate to that little story? Huh? Most of us who have kids. Well, here's the deal, big picture. God takes us to McDonald's <laughs> or something similar. God has blessed us, hasn't he? God has blessed everyone in this room. Some have more, some have less, but the bottom line, God has blessed all of us. And God wants to sit down and share those blessings with us. And sometimes God reaches over to take one of his blessings back, <laughs> and we don't like it. 
because we take our arms and wrap them around those things he has already given to us and say, no, God, you can't have that. It's mine. God looks at us and says, wow, don't you understand? I am the source of everything you have. I mean, everything you have, I'm the one who gave it to you. And don't you understand? I have the power to take that away. Or get this, I have the power to give you more. And don't you understand, I really don't need what you have. You see, God wants you to share and to give, not because God is hurting or not because God is in need, but because God has modeled giving himself. And he wants to pass that on to his children. He wants you to understand how to give. The very first verse that you probably learned when you came to church or became a Christian is John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave. He gave. God is always giving. And he's very interested in our response to that. When he says to you, I want some of it back or I want you to take what I have given to you and share it with someone else, God is always very interested in how we respond to that. Our scripture this morning is from the Old Testament. It's 1 Chronicles chapter 29. One of the most powerful passages teaching us the biblical truth that God is the source of all blessings. I'm going to start reading in verse 10. But let me clue you in to what has happened so far in verses 1 through 9. David is speaking here. David was the king. David wanted to build God a temple so the people could worship him. But David had been a man of war. And so God said, no, you're not going to be able to build the temple, but I will allow your son Solomon to build the temple. And so that excited David. He wanted to make sure everything was right and in line and ready for the temple to be built when his son Solomon would begin building it. So before David died, he called all the people together and he said to them, we're going to take up an offering for the building of the temple and I am going to be the first one who gives. And so he tells us in the first few verses of all the treasury of his own that he gave for the building of the temple. It was a lot. I mean, the king gave of his own precious possessions for the building of this temple. And as soon as his leaders saw the king giving, they stepped up and they gave. And then all of the rest of the people, when they saw their king had given and the leaders of the land had given, they gave as well. So everyone, all the children of Israel, gave to the Lord. And that brings us to verse 10. Therefore David blessed the Lord before the assembly, and David said, Blessed are you, Lord God of Israel, our Father forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power and the glory, the victory and the majesty. For all that is in heaven and in earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head over all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you reign over all. In your hand is power and might, and in your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. Now, therefore, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to offer so willingly as this? For all things come from you, and of your own we have given you. 
For we are aliens and pilgrims before you, as were all our fathers. Our days on earth are as a shadow and without hope. O Lord our God, all this abundance that we have prepared to build you a house for your holy name is from your hand and is all your own. Wow, what a tremendous... David is teaching a great truth about stewardship. And it's this... Everything belongs to God. Everything belongs to God. How do I know that? The Bible tells me that. My Sunday school teacher says that all the time, so I pointed to him. I know that because the Bible tells me that. Uh, look at verse 11. For all that is in heaven and in earth is yours. God has it all. It's all his. Verse 14 at the end. For all things come from you. Verse 16, everything comes from your hand and is all your own. It's all, everything belongs to God. God gives to us everything we have. And when we give back to God, we are simply giving Him something back that He has already blessed us with. How do I know that? The Bible tells me so. Verse 14, for all things come from you, and of your own we have given to you. Verse 16, O Lord our God, all this abundance that we have prepared to build you a house, for your holy name is from your hand and is all your own. The reason we can give something back to God when he asks for it is because God has given it to us. Wow. All week I've been thinking about that. How can, I, how can I explain that to my people so we can understand? Here's the best uh, illustration I can think of. Uh, back when I was a kid, growing up in Midland, Texas, Christmas time, all right, Christmas time, my sister and I, Sharita, who's two years older than I am, we wanted to give my mom and dad a Christmas gift, okay? And so here's what we did. We went to mom and dad and said, Mom, Dad, we want to give you a Christmas gift, but we don't have any money. So would you give us some money... So we could go buy you a Christmas gift. And my mom and dad did that. I can remember mom taking Sharita and I to the store and giving us some money, some cash. She stayed in the car, let us go into the store. We picked out a gift for them, uh, brought it back home, wrapped it up, gave it to them. They opened it. Oh, what a great gift. We're so thankful. <laughs> Made a big deal out of it. Why did they get that gift? Because they gave me the money to go buy it. Yeah. I've done that with all my kids. I am so thankful that my oldest daughter is now gainfully employed. Yeah? We don't have to do that with her anymore. But it isn't that. That's what God does. God gives to us. Abundantly, He gives to us. And when He asks for something back, we are simply giving Him something back that He has already given to us. Here's the key to this whole message. Get this. God is the source of all things. Everything you have is a gift from God. The house you live in, the car you drive, all your possessions, your job, the clothes you wear, your family, your kids, it all comes from God. Now, if you're a Christian, you understand that. You have become a child of God. You understand that, yeah, God has given me all this stuff. If you're not a believer, you might be arguing with me. I don't know about that. I don't think it was God who gets up every day at 6 o'clock and goes and works at that job and sweats all day to get the money to buy the things that I have. Well, look at it like this. God is the one who gave you the health 
and the ability and the talents to get the job, to get up every morning, to go make the money. All things come from God. Everything we have is from the Lord. And when you stop and reflect on it, there is nothing that we have that God has not given to us. Nothing. It all comes from God. Now, when you understand that God is the source of everything that you have, and then you realize that God gives to us, and He delights when we either give back to Him or give it to others, doesn't it also amaze you that we could act like that little boy at McDonald's and wrap our arms around all the blessings that God has given to us and say, No, God, these are mine, and you can't have them. As a parent, that hurts the heart of God because we have such an immature attitude about what God has given to us. Now, let me clarify things and bring us right here to where we are. I'll make two statements, what we've just learned and what we're about to learn. What have we just learned? Well, God requires nothing of us that he has not already given to us. God is not going to require you to give him something back or us to give something to someone else that he's not already given to us. Okay? Second statement is this. Provisionally, I have everything I need to fulfill God's plan for my life at this moment. That's what we're about to learn. God has already given me what I need to live out his will for this very moment that I'm in. Three truths I want you to understand about our giving God. The first one is this. Understand God's power. God's power. That is, His ability to give to His children. Let me say it like this. God has the power and the ability to meet your need right now, no matter what that need is. Let me turn it around and ask you a question. Do you believe that God has the power and the ability to give you what you need right now? You're just about like the first service people. Yeah. I hear seven voices out there saying yes. All of us should say affirmatively, yes. God has the power to do that. Okay? Why do I know that? <laughs> Bible tells me. Verse 12, David said, both riches and honor come from you. What a great affirmation. God, everything comes from you. Riches, honor come from you. Verse 12, he goes on to say, In your hand is power and might. In your hand it is to make great and to give strength. This is the omnipotence of God. God has the power and the ability to give you today all that you need for today. God has the power and the ability to supply your needs for this very moment. Do you believe that? Well, I believe it. I believe it because the Bible is full of stories of him doing that for his people. Let, let me just share a few of them with you as a point of illustration to show you that our God has the power and the ability to meet our need for the very moment, no matter what that, no matter how big the need is, God has the power to meet it. Children of Israel, they had been in Egyptian captivity for like 400 years. Slaves in Egypt. 
God raises up a deliverer, a man by the name of Moses. Moses led the children of Israel out of captivity. He did that through some amazing miracles that God performed. The children of Israel were leaving Egypt. They get to a point, though, the day after they left, and they were kind of in a pickle. There was the Red Sea in front of them. There were mountains on either side of them, and Pharaoh's army was behind them. Pharaoh realized he made a big mistake. For all of his free help was now gone. <laughs> and he was mad at them. He was coming to destroy most of them and take the rest of them back to be slaves. The children of Israel had a huge need, didn't they? Water in front, mountains on either side, a mad army behind. They cried out to God, deliver us, Lord. So God kind of put them to the test. He said, okay, I'm going to test your faith Step into the water. I'm going to test you to see if you have faith in me. And they did. They stepped into the water. An amazing thing happened. You know the story. God parted the Red Sea. And they walked across on dry ground. Now here's the cool deal. They didn't need God to part the Red Sea the day before that, nor did they need God to part the Red Sea the day after that. It was in that very moment they needed a miracle from God and they asked God and God had the power and the ability to meet their need. That's amazing. Let me bring it down to a single focus of, of one man. I love 1 Kings chapter 17, story of Elijah. Uh, Elijah had prayed for a drought to come on the land. There had been a massive drought. There was no food, no water. Uh, God told Elijah the prophet, he said, you go to the brook Cherith and stay there and I'll take care of you. And so he went to the brook Cherith, and he drank of the water of the brook. And God said, you stay here. Every day I'll feed you. And so God commissioned some ravens, some birds. And every morning and every night, every morning, every evening, these birds flew in, and they had in their beak both bread and meat. And they dropped it right in front of the prophet. And so he had food to eat morning and evening, supplied by yeah, the birds that God commissioned. Now, where they got it, I have no idea. But they swooped in, they dropped the food, and Elijah ate it. He had a need. God had the power and the ability to meet that need, and he did it in a pretty cool way. I think of Daniel. What an awesome man of God Daniel was. Daniel was obedient to the Lord even though he was in a foreign land. Three times a day, Daniel prayed to God. Now, there's a guy that didn't like Daniel, so he went to the king. He said, you know, we need to make a new law that says nobody can pray to any other deity except you, because you're the man. The king kind of liked that. Okay, let's make it. So he decreed the law, put Daniel in a predicament. What's Daniel going to do? Is he going to obey the laws of the land, or is he going to obey the law of God? Now, a few years, I wouldn't have even had thought to say this to you guys but the way our world is going today let me remind you if man's law contradicts God's law you are to obey God and we may not be far from that happening in our land today and so Daniel just kept praying he got in trouble for it the king took him he threw him into a lion's den okay this big pit with hungry lions down in it and they, they were big, they were ferocious, and they were hungry. Have you ever seen lions on those TV? Have you ever seen one in person? They are intimidating. And these lions were hungry. Normally, these lions would have shredded Daniel up and ate him in five minutes flat. 
Daniel had a need, and his God was powerful enough and had the ability to meet his need. God shut the mouths of the lions and met the need that Daniel had. Pretty cool. One last one, because I think you're getting bored with this. How about Paul and Silas? Acts, I think, is 17. They were in the city of Philippi, and they were preaching the gospel, sharing the good news of salvation. There was a little demon-possessed girl who was owned by her masters, and she was a fortune teller. Literally, a demon was living inside of her, and that demon gave her the ability to tell the fortune on people or the future of people. And so she was of great profit to her owners. And the Bible says that she was following Paul and Silas around everywhere they went, and she continually said, These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation, which was true and which was a great testimony, but she wouldn't shut up. For days she followed them around saying that over and over and over, and the Bible said it annoyed the Apostle Paul. And so having enough of it, he turned around and he told the demon to get out of that little girl's life. He cast the demon out of her. The Bible says the very hour the demon left the little girl. Well, her masters were not pleased with that. All of their income was now gone. They got a little irritated. They had Paul and Silas brought into the city streets. They beat them and then had them cast into prison. Not just prison, but the inner prison. And they shackled their feet together with chains. Now, I would say that Paul and Silas were in a predicament, wouldn't you? They're in a foreign city. They're in prison, the inner prison. Their feet are shackled together. That doesn't look good. And so at midnight, they started calling out to God, praising the Lord and singing praises to God. God heard their prayer and He answered it in a miraculous way. He sent an earthquake. It shook the gates of the prison cell, opened the gates, and it unloosened the shackles that were on their feet. They were free. Woo! That's pretty cool. If I was a Pentecostal preacher, I could really preach now. Because some of you are here today, and you're in a prison. It could be a prison of your own making, but you're in a prison. Your feet are shackled. Whatever it is that's shackling you up, it could be an addiction. It could be anything, a relationship. But you're shackled today, and you need to be delivered. You're crying out to God, and He hears, and He miraculously sets you free. You know why? He has the power to do it. He has the ability to meet whatever need you have today. That is the power of our God. Not only that, let's talk about His provision. He not only has the power to meet your need, He is willing to meet it. He is willing to give to us. God delights in giving to His children. Verse 14, For all these things come from you. Anything God asks of you right now, He has already given you the resources to accomplish that. Would you ask your kid to go to the store and buy a gallon of milk without giving them the money to go buy that gallon of milk? Come on, you can talk to me. Would any of you ask a child or a grandchild to go to the store and buy something without first giving them the money to do it? No. 
God would never ask you to go through a trial or a difficulty or a dark period in your life without first giving you the grace and the wisdom and the discernment and the power and the strength to make it. So when people ask me to pray for them to have wisdom and strength, I can confidently tell them that God will give it. Listen to me. God, God, God will never bring you into a situation... God will never put something in your life where you have a need without first having provided whatever it is you need for that moment. It's the way God works. However, we have a twofold problem with this. And our first problem is we want resources that we don't need. Don't we? We want resources we don't need. God gives you today what you need To be what you need to be. Take notes on that. God gives you today, this very moment, everything you need to be what He wants you to be right now. Let me illustrate this. You might say to me, Pastor, do you have the grace and the strength to die a martyr's death? Now, if you were to ask me that, I would look at you rather strangely. And I would wonder what you have in mind. But if you really meant that, ask me, Pastor, do you have the grace and the strength to die as martyr's death? I would have to say to you, no, I don't. The good news is I don't need it right now. But when time comes for that, God will supply it. When I need that, God will give it to me. I love this as it's illustrated in the Word of God when when the Bible says with every temptation, God will provide the way of escape. There's only one way, but He will provide the way of escape. He only gives me today what I need today. You know what that is? That is, it really comes down to a matter of trusting God. Knowing that God will provide today what He knows I need today. It's a life of faith. It's all about trusting God. We have a problem with that because we want resources that we don't need. Secondly, we can't trust God for our daily needs. Can we? Remember what Jesus said? Here's the model prayer. Pray this. Give us today our daily need. Give us right now what we need for right now. You know, really, we're just like the children of Israel, aren't we? I think they were Baptists. Griping and complaining about everything. God had given them manna, but manna wasn't good enough, so they griped and complained about it. Lord, we're sick of manna. We're sick and tired of it. Give us something else. We want some meat. And so God, having gotten tired of their grumbling and complaining, said, okay, I'm going to send you quail. You get up tomorrow, quail is going to be all over the ground. You go out and just take enough quail for today. You get that? Just for today. Because I want you to trust me enough to know that tomorrow I'll keep providing. But again, they're just like we are. Instead of getting enough just for today, they got enough for today, tomorrow, and next week. They they brought it in. They hoarded it in. That angered God. Why? Because they weren't trusting God. The next morning when they got up, all of that meat was rotten and wormy. God gives you today what you need for today, period. Say, my God has the power and he has the provision. 
He has the ability to give, and my God is going to supply the need that I have for right now. The third truth I want you to understand about God is this, his partnership, God's partnership, his reason to give for us, to, or give to us. Um, I've already said this, but God gives to all of us, right? We understand that. Uh, some have more, some have less, but God gives to all. Have you ever wondered why is it that some Christians are blessed by God more than other Christians? Why is it that some people have been given more from God than others? I mean, why, why is it that some people have, have more than I have? Have you ever wondered that? Nobody in this room will admit to ever having wondered that. I have. I've wondered that. And, and as I've thought of it, lo, these many years, I have come to the conclusion that right here is the answer. I'm about to give you the answer as to why God blesses some believers with more than he blesses other believers with. It's because they understand this partnership thing. The, the people that don't have as much as other people, here's their deal. God can't trust them. Because God blesses and gives to them, and you know what they do? They hoard it. Have you seen the, the show Hoarders? Okay, They hoard it. They're like the little kid at McDonald's. God blesses and gives, and yet they're, they're, they're storing it up. They're, they're, they're just keeping it for themselves. And God reaches over and says, you know, I want that back, or I want you to give what I have given to you to somebody else. And you say, no, it's mine. So God can't trust you. On the other hand, there's, there's other believers that God gives to them, and they get this whole principle of stewardship thing. They realize that everything comes from God. It belongs to God, and they're just, you know, they, they don't hoard things. They don't hold on to it. They receive things with open hands. And so when God says, hey, I need that back, well, take it, God. I want you to give it to somebody. Okay, it's theirs. God can trust that person. And so God just keeps blessing. He's using them as a channel to bless others. How do I know that? Again, verses 14 and 16 tell me that. For all things come from you, and of your own we have given to you. Verse 16, all this abundance that we have prepared to build you a house, for your holy name is from your hand. It's all your own. So God gives to us so that we can give to others and back to Him. God, God has entered into this partnership with us. And He wants us to be like Him. And He is a giving God. I've, I've got a little diagram for you to, to help illustrate this. Here we have God up on the top because that's where He belongs. There's God. And then here's me and here's others. Okay, You can apply that to you. Here's God, here's you, and here's other people over here. And then I have these arrows. Notice the arrow from God down to me and the arrow from God down to others. Okay, that, That's the blessing. God pours blessings into our life. I realize that God has blessed me. He's given me everything I have. That nice pickup truck I drive, that's God's. 905 Cary Lane, that's God's. Belongs to Him. This suit's not mine, it's God's. Those kids, they're not mine, they're God's. So God gives to me, God gives to others. He's given something to every one of you, multiple things. He's blessed you with it. So that's the arrow from God down to me and others. But then that arrow also goes back up from me to God and from you to God. 
Because there will be times when God says, you know what? I've blessed you with that, but now I need it. I want it back. Because I'm going to use it to bless somebody else. Or I'm going to use it in a, in a kingdom thing. So, Will, I've given it to you, but I want it back. Now listen to me very closely. Up to this point in my message, I have not used that T word. Have I? And last week when I started this series, you got all sweaty and, and thought that's all I was going to talk about. I have not said the word yet. Still haven't. Because this has so much more to do. So much more to do than with the 10% that you give back to God. God looks down at me and says, Will, I blessed you with three great commodities, and I'm ready for them to be given back to me. With my kids. Greatest gift God has given to me are my kids. And you know what? When, when Whitney was born, when Callie was born, and when Zane was born, Angie and I got down on our knees, and we gave those kids back to God. And almost every day since they have been born, I have said the simple prayer back to the Lord. Lord, those kids are yours. They're not mine. I really appreciate you trusting me enough to give them to me and to allow me to raise them and impart what you've given to me to them and teach them about you. But Lord, I realize they're not mine. They're yours. And so if the time comes, if ever the time comes, that God says, Okay, Will, I want those kids back. I want them to be a missionary to serve in a foreign country for me. Or I want to use them in ministry. You know what? It's fine. A-O-T-A, Lord. Because they're not mine, they're His. You know what? Whatever God wants to do with my kids, it's okay with me. Because they're not mine. They're His. And you know what, parents? God is going to ask you to give those kids back to Him. And one of the hardest things for us to give up are kids and grandkids. We, you know, here it is. Grubby little fingers and arms, we want to hoard. A lot of you are helicopter parents. I didn't know what a helicopter parent was until we took Whitney to, to college and they explained the helicopter philosophy to us. Parents who will not relinquish the authority over their kids. They won't let their kids grow up. They won't give their kids back to God. And they hover over them. You're saying, enough preacher. Go on to your next point, right? But I'm telling you, God is going to ask you to give something back to Him. So does the arrow go back? It should. Then there's another arrow. Horizontal, from me to others, and from others to me, back and forth. Because here's the deal. Everything that I have has been given by God, but God has chosen to give those things to me typically through other sources. Okay? And there will come a time when God says to me, Will, I gave you whatever it is, and it's been a blessing to you, but now I want you to give that thing to, to Jason because he needs the blessing. It's been yours long enough. Don't hoard it. Give it to Jason. Well, it may be something that Steve gave to me. It blessed his life, then it blessed my life, and now God is saying give it to Jason because I want to bless Jason. We have a choice. 
We can either be greedy or we can be a giver and allow that blessing to flow. And again, I'm not talking just about money. However, there have been times God has told me to give money, cash money, to a perfect stranger, somebody I've never met. God said, they need it more than you do. I gave it to you. You give it to them. You know, for, for, for a guy by the name of Will Harmon, that's hard to do. I'm just joking, all right? But it, it may not be money. I told the first service this story because I think it's so true. My wife has this very unique ability. Um, she can start talking to a perfect stranger, and they spill their guts to her. They tell her things that she hasn't even asked about. But it gives her an opportunity to, to, to minister. I don't know. There's just something about her. A, a guy did that to me yesterday. I started talking to him. I, I barely know this guy, but, I mean, he just started telling me stuff. I, I, I really didn't want to hear it. <laughs> but he's wanting to tell me. And so he told me, and I talked to him. And, and after it was over with, I said, you know what? I, I had the Angie gift. I told Angie, I said, I had the Angie gift with him. And she knew what I was talking about. Okay? I think it all goes back to when Angie was just a little girl growing up in Corning, Arkansas. Her daddy was a deputy sheriff in Clay County. There was a mean man that lived up there. His name was Mr. Grissom. Have you ever met anybody that's just mean? This guy was mean. He hated the sheriff of Clay County. In fact, in public on numerous occasions, he told the sheriff, he said, one day I'm going to kill you. So as early one morning, Mr. Grissom's grown daughter called the sheriff's office and said, could you please send somebody out? My dad's gone crazy. The sheriff drove out there. He had called Glendale. Glendale took his patrol car out there. Another deputy sheriff got out there. They all got there about the same time. All three lawmen got out of their vehicles and started walking up to the mean man's door at the same time. But Mr. Grissom wasn't in his house. He was in the barn with an arsenal of weapons. And as soon as these men cleared their vehicles, he opened fire, killed all three men. My wife was just a little girl. Peggy was a young woman, had five kids. In a moment, her husband was dead, and these five kids' father was dead. That shouldn't happen to a little kid. Little kids shouldn't have to face stuff like that, should they? It's horrible. She had to live the rest of her life without a dad because of one mean man. But have I told you that our God is good? And even in a bad situation, God was good to the archers. He provided for them. A really nice family in their church left their home and moved into the archer's house and lived with the archers for one year and took care of those kids while Peggy grieved. The Lord said to Angie, you don't have a daddy, but I'm going to be your father. And he became that to her. 
He gave my wife a gift. He gave Angie a blessing through a very difficult time. And so now when there's somebody else, maybe a little kid who loses one of their parents, or maybe a person who goes through a tragedy or a wife who loses her husband, my wife has a unique perspective on that, a perspective that I don't have because she's lived through it. And God will say to Angie, Angie, you remember that gift that I gave to you? Would you now go and give that to... And she does. And it's a blessing. Guys, do you see how this works? Our God is a giving God. He's a good God. Sometimes He gives us bad situations so that we can grow and mature and be the people He wants us to be so that in a future time, we can take that gift and give it to somebody else. Everything God has given to us is His. And He will say to you, Hey, you've had it long enough. Give it back or share it with somebody else. What are you going to do? Are you going to be like that little kid at McDonald's? No, God, it's mine. If you have that mentality, let me say it, you're always going to be little. And you're always going to be greedy. And you're never going to know joy that you can know when you understand, hey, it all comes from God. It's his. So if he wants it back, he can have it. If he wants me to give it to somebody else, I'll give it. Because I know where the source comes from. And if he wants me to give it to somebody else, you know what? That means he's got something else he wants to give me. <laughs> Hallelujah. Quickly, three observations about, about what we've learned. We are accountable to God for what we do with his blessings. I have no doubt as a believer, when I stand before God, God is going to ask me, So, Will, what did you do with all that stuff I blessed you with? Number two, our giving is an act of worship. And it is a sign of our trust and obedience to God. And number three, giving to others in Jesus' name is just like giving to God. Just like giving to God. So, here, that was the message. Here's, here's the invitation point. Why don't you come this morning to these altars and just say, Lord, thank you. Thank you for what you've given. When was the last time you told God thank you? You know, occasionally, I said that first service and got in trouble. M more often than not, my kids tell me thank you. Your kids ever tell you thank you? <laughs> Your kids ever tell you thank you? Doesn't it make you feel good? I mean, it really does. They, they, you know, they know I give it to them because I love them. And I'm going to provide for them. But you know what? When, when I do, uh, we, t we went out to, to eat last night and, and uh, went to, uh, went to this, uh, this new Mexican food place in town. It was really, really good. And uh, there was some mariachi singers in there. And they came over to our table. And they did La Bamba in front of us. And I, I looked across. And, and Callie and Whitney were just so enjoying that. It was, it was a great meal and a great time. It was awesome. And when we left, my kids, Callie and Whitney, said, Dad, thanks for bringing us here. 
Made me feel good. You know what? When they tell me thank you, makes me want to give more to them. So when was the last time you said thanks to God? It's been too long. Come this morning and thank Him. And along with that, realize that He's blessed you. And you say to Him this morning after you say thanks, Lord, whatever you want to do with that stuff you blessed me with, it's yours. I'll give back to you and I'll give to others. You just tell me and I'll trust you. But guys, understand it all begins when we first give Him our heart. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. He gave Jesus so that you could have everlasting life. And to become a giver like God, you have to receive the gift, Jesus. Have you received him as your Savior and Lord? If not, come this morning, we'll show you how you can be saved. If so, if you are saved, you come today and thank God and start giving back to him. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for this day and this time in your house. Thank you for the great songs that we've sung and heard. I thank you for this awesome passage of Scripture. And I pray, dear Lord, that we would trust you. We would thank you. And that we would give back to you and to others as you tell us. Lord, for those who need to come this morning and, and do that, I pray that they would just have the freedom to come and pray and give their all to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand? Heads bowed and eyes closed. As soon as you stand up, if you feel the urge, come on. Come right now. Let's say thanks to God, would you? You need to be thankful. You need to give Him praise and thank Him because everything you have comes from Him. And if you've not given Him your heart, would you come and do that today? Right now, come on. Let's pray.